Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Let's get into the Word of God. Who's ready for an encouraging message this morning? You know, in our family, in moments like this, we love to celebrate with food. Any food people, any foodies here. And we love to celebrate with food. And as we celebrate five years, we just want to take a moment and look deeper into the scriptures about celebrating God, especially with food. Throughout the scriptures, we see that food is important for gatherings. It's important to Jesus. In fact, there's a scripture in Matthew 11, a description of Jesus that says, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus is described as someone who's eating and drinking. Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. This is not a keto faith. The bread of life. At one point, talking about followers of Jesus, he calls us the salt of the earth. Jesus is often at a meal coming to a meal or going from a meal. And in the Last Supper, we just took communion. When Jesus is about to die, he says, I want you to drink this wine and eat this bread whenever you gather to remember me. In fact, we have a picture of the Last Supper, and they're eating this dinner right before Jesus is crucified on the cross. And anybody know what Jesus said right before they took this picture? Hey, everybody, let's all sit on one side of the table for some reason. Just a little Bible joke. (laughs) You know, another scripture about food is actually in Matthew 21, 18. It says this, early in the morning, this is Jesus, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately, the tree withered. You realize that Jesus loves food so much that a tree died because it wouldn't share a meal with him? I mean, how crazy is that? And on a serious note, I want to say, I truly believe that something dies in us. Something dies in our society when we don't share a meal together. You know, things do get really intense and awkward when we don't share meals. In fact, uh, I want to share a story about a time I went on an extended fast, and uh, I lost a lot of weight. And uh, I was telling Amritha, hey, when you break a fast, because I was just drinking water, uh, when you break a fast, you just can't eat anything. You have to start off with maybe a soup or juice, and then you can get into heavier meals. If you re-enter eating too quickly, you can get sick, and in the worst-case scenario, you can actually die. Okay, so yes, he lost 32 pounds. He had hardly any energy. I mean, like I was driving everywhere because he could hardly even drive. But even so, my friends, Pastor Pradeep in here planned a Valentine's date that was really, really amazing. And he decided, I'm going to break my fast on Valentine's Day with my wife. So he booked us a reservation at this 
really cool situation where we actually sat uh, in, a, in a family style environment and you sit down at this restaurant, you sit across from your spouse, and then there are other spouses all sitting across from each other. I know that doesn't sound very romantic, but it actually really was. So we're sitting all together, we're talking to our spouses, and it was this cool situation because we not only got to eat together, but we also got to see a show afterwards. That's right. And so I think we had like five or six courses in this meal, like appetizers, all the way to dessert. And so the first course is this soup. It's an Italian wedding soup. This is going to be my first taste of food. I'm so excited. And so you got to imagine, uh, I lo- I'm 32 pounds lighter than I am right now. And so I'm looking really frail. I'm low energy. My, my cheek is all sunken in. I'm like, hey, honey, you look so beautiful tonight. <laughs> and so I finally get the soup. I take my first sip. And then I go in for my second soup. We're around all these strangers. And then Amrita says, I think you've had enough to eat. No more soup for you. And I'm like, I'm so excited. People are looking around because this is the beginning of a long journey of eating. And Amritha is already stopping me from eating. They're like, why won't you let that skinny brown boy eat the food? (laughs) And she's like, two sips? That's enough. They're looking at her with horror. Yes, because, okay, I was trying to keep my husband alive on Valentine's Day. I knew that if he ate, like, a lot of big food and sweet desserts, that he told me, he said, I could die if I don't break this fast right because my body is not used to digesting food. So I was just loving him, okay? Even though it looked bad to the people around us, I just wanted to make sure that he re-entered food again well can I get an amen amen so the big stretch of a point we're trying to make right now is things get really awkward when we don't share food when we don't share meals together and food is critical to us as people as humans and us as a society in fact the word companion the root word of companionship literally comes from the Latin which means with bread it's a a meal shared with a familiar person companion Food is essential to our relationships. Yes, but the fact is we are eating and sharing meals together less and less. And it's not just affecting us as individuals. It's affecting our family systems and it's affecting our society as well because meals were made to be shared together. And I think what's happened is that we have stopped becoming hospitable. And there is something that God loves. It's called biblical hospitality. And in our world, we feel like we're too busy to be able to be hospitable to people, to invite them over to a meal. Some of us are like, I don't think my house is pretty enough to have people over. Some of us are like, I just feel way too much pressure to entertain people. So I don't want to have anybody over. And so we've diminished this opportunity to be hospitable with each other. Uh, I think think the reality is, is some of us have shared more pictures of our food with our friends than actually shared meals. Can I get an amen? I mean, I've been there, okay? I want to read you some stats because we're not just making up this situation. This is actually something that, that we really need God's words in, in this situation. So here's some stats. The average American eats one in every five meals in their car. 
The majority of American families report eating a single meal together less than five days a week. And listen, this could do some damage to us. I want you to check out this quote. It's on the screen. Children who eat together with their families five or more days a week have less trouble with drugs and alcohol, less depression and suicidal thoughts, eat healthier, show better academic performance, and report being closer with their parents than children who eat dinner with their parents less often. In fact, one research study found that one meal at home was the single strongest predictor of better achievement scores and fewer behavioral problems. I mean, isn't it just amazing how sharing a meal and being together in community can affect us emotionally and mentally? I mean, the reality is God designed us to be able to do so many things, and one of them is to share food together. There's a story in the Gospels that's a miracle that Jesus performs. In fact, it's one of the only miracles that's in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's about Jesus feeding thousands of people with a little amount of food. Let's read it in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 34. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. You know, when the disciples see a large amount of people gathering to hear the teachings of Jesus, they get worried. How are we going to feed all of these people? And their first instinct was to send the crowds away. But I'm encouraged. Point number one in our sermon is this. Jesus does not send crowds away. He has compassion on them, and he, wanted, he wants to gather them like sheep without a shepherd. But can you imagine being the disciples, all these people, and Jesus says, feed them? I'd be like, How? With what? How are we going to do this? And I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I don't like to share the food that I have. Anybody here struggle sharing food? Uh, amen. This is a safe place. It's a safe place. When we were early in our dating relationship, uh, Amrita said, hey, can we go out to get a strawberry limeade drink together? We're going to share it. It's going to be nice. It's going to be romantic. So yeah, we go out there and we order this drink and we're going to be romantic. We'll just get one drink. We'll have two straws. We'll share. And I'm not exaggerating. While making eye contact with me in the same car, Amrita drank the entire beverage. <laughs> she didn't even share one drop with me. Hey, you snooze, you lose, man. <laughs> well, I, I lost. And so I, I made an inner covenant avowal within myself. I will never share food with you again. And uh, I would not say I had compassion on her. Can we thank God that Jesus is not like Pradeepin? Because <laughs> my instinct isn't to have compassion. I want to send people away when they take over my food. Can I get a good amen? But Jesus says, you know what? No, don't send them away. Let's feed them. Let's gather them. And I, I think in our society, we're often tempted to send people away, especially if they're too needy. 
If they need too much from us, we're like, I need boundaries. I can't have them in my life. I don't want to give them fridge rights. And for some of us, we say, you know, I just don't have enough time. Like we said earlier, I'm too introverted. I'm too shy to be around people. I'm too drained. But in this very taxing situation, Jesus didn't say, they're not my problem. This isn't my issue. He said, we've got to feed the crowds. He was moved with compassion. And this whole idea of having compassion on needy people strikes a chord with me. From the very beginning of our church, we've shared the story about how my family came to America. My family came from a tropical island called Sri Lanka. They lived through a civil war. And thank goodness they were able to escape so much death and violence as immigrants and as refugees by moving to Minnesota. But they went from a tropical island to Minnesota in the wintertime. It was traumatic. They were practicing Hindus at the time. They couldn't find a temple to worship at. They didn't speak the language very well. They didn't understand a lot of the cultural context. And my family decided that they would end their lives together by jumping off a bridge. While my dad was thinking about this plan, a pastor approached him and said, what's going on? What's wrong? My dad said, uh, this is our plan. And the pastor said, you know what? I'm going to send you away. No, he didn't do that. In fact, he said, I'm going to have compassion on your family. Why don't you and your family come live with me, my wife, our three boys, in our small trailer home? And they shared love. They shared kindness. They shared Jesus with my family. And in that environment, my family decided, you know what? We don't want to end our lives. In fact, we want to create a new life. And that's where my family got pregnant with me. I'm thankful for conception. I'm thankful to be alive. Can I get a good amen? A better amen. 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 But I'm so thankful that family didn't send my dad, my mom, my sister away, but they brought them in. They said, let's feed them. Let's take care of them. And today, I don't know why you're here at church. Maybe you're, you're scared. Maybe you're looking for hope. Maybe you're looking for forgiveness. Maybe you're looking for a fresh start. But the good news of the gospel today is Jesus has compassion on you. Not only does God love you, God likes you, and he wants to spend time with you. He wants to be with you. In fact, that's what we celebrate as Christians, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that we might have life, that we might be welcome in the house of God together. And so if you're here today, we want you to be here, and more importantly, God wants you to be here today because he loves us so much. Amen. 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 So Jesus tells his disciples, you feed them. And the disciples respond in verse 36, like probably many of us would. They say, with what? They asked, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Something really interesting in this scripture that we want to point out to you today is our point number two. Jesus places people in groups. You know, we have to ask ourselves, why did Jesus do this? 
They were all there standing, thousands of people. He could have just had a miracle, thrown lots of food their way, but that's not what happened. Jesus said, I want everybody to get in smaller groups together. And I believe that there's a reason for that. And I think the reason for that is that God doesn't just want us to stand in rows. He wants us to be able to sit in circles. He wants us to be able to see one another, to engage with one another. You know, biblical hospitality is something that our world desperately needs. And Jesus, he cared about their entire experience. Listen, he could have just fed them however he wanted, but he cared about their experience on this day. In this moment, he cared about every part of it. You know, Pastor Pradeepan and I, we love restaurants with good hospitality. Are you with me? You know what? And we love restaurants not only with good food, but with a good experience. I mean, we will pay for a good experience. Are you with me? Like, some of you are the same as we are in this. And you know what? Uh, One of my favorite food experiences at a restaurant, there's a restaurant in Colorado where there is, let me look at this, a 30-foot waterfall, and divers are diving into this waterfall while you're eating Mexican food. Doesn't that sound like the most incredible experience? Not only that, there's a waterfall right behind us. Not only that, Another one of our favorite spots is a place in Michigan, and it's called Black Rock. Okay, listen. This is one of those amazing places. I grew up in Kansas. I'm a steak girl. I love steak. I love a good steak. So I like to cook my own steak. So they, what they do at this restaurant is they bring you out this super hot stone. Each of you gets one. And then you get to cut your raw meat and put it on the stone and cook every single bite yourself. Mmm, it is amazing. And this experience is to die for. I love paying a lot of money to cook my own food. (laughs) Worth it. (laughs) But some of our favorite food experiences, if we're honest, are experiences that we have with people around the table. People that we're sharing a meal with. Now I want you to hear this. Not just friends, but people we don't even know strangers invited to our table. Do you know that when we came to Seattle five years ago and we wanted to start this church, we didn't know a single person, like no no one. And so what we did, what we do, we started cooking for people and we invited them over to our house. And I think they thought we were weird and strange that we were having them over, but we did because we wanted to make friends. We needed friends. We wanted to do the work and the ministry God had us And we started with inviting people, strangers, people who don't belong in church, people people who didn't feel like they belong in church, people who felt hurt by the church. We thought, what if you came over to our house? And what if I could cook a little bit of chicken curry for you? And let's have a meal together. You know, I, I think that when we face one another, God does something really special in our relationships. I want us to think about this painting again that we put up on the screen where Jesus is sitting with his disciples. Let's look at this again. And again, they're all on one side of the table. And uh, this is a really beautiful painting. Maybe you have this in your home as well. But as I thought more and I researched a little bit more about this day and this culture, it may not have been very accurate that Jesus and all of his disciples were sitting on one side of the table. 
Because did you know that in that culture, uh, Jesus actually would have been reclining? It says several times in the scripture, Luke twenty two fourteen says this, and when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. In Jesus's time and culture, there weren't a lot of square tables where people just sat on one side looking out. They would have been sitting low on the ground on cushions all around the table. They would have been lounging together. Jesus would have been able to not awkwardly wash his disciples' feet, right? Essentially, they shared a meal together on the floor. So I found this picture. I think the Last Supper may have looked a little bit more like this. There it is. It may have looked more like the situation where they're sitting on these pillows, the disciples are facing Jesus, but they also can face one another. They are looking in each other's eyes. They are sharing food together. And I believe that this is really, really important because we know that we live in a divided world right now. We are separating on every single issue. And this is the thing. I believe that biblical hospitality is a loving bridge for a divided world. Amen? I want to read this Henry Nouwen quote to you. It says this, Hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It is not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. I want to encourage you, church, that each of us has the ability to be hospital. Can we, hospitable. Can we raise the level of hospi hospitality again? Can we invite people over? Can we not be embarrassed of how our house looks or feel the pressure of entertaining? Can we come around circles, sit in circles again and see one another? I don't want restaurants to be more hospitable than God's people, Amen. right? We can be hospitable. And I believe that most of us want a less divided world. Most of us want the hate to go down, but we're not going to be able to help facilitate that if we just stay in our own world, in our own house. We need to open up our doors, open up our spaces so people can come in and experience hospitality. Um, you know, even as we planned this birthday party for you today, we had you in mind. We actually thought, what kind of experience do we want our guests at Kalos Church to have? We've been thinking about this and asking this question for five years. And as a portable church meeting in 14 different spaces, we've asked this question over and over again. How can we be hospitable as a church? And so as you came this morning, we thought about the music. We thought about the decorations. We wanted you to encounter friendly and kind and genuine people. We wanted your children who are in these doors, in these rooms, to have a really amazing uh, experience. We thought about what it would look like to be hospitable to our children, to our infants, to our toddlers, because God has called us to be hospitable. And we believe that the church can really lead the charge in this. Amen? I want to end with this quote that says this. Radically ordinary hospitality. Those who, live, those who live it see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. 
Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes, not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors. They seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. Amen. So continuing with the story, Jesus sees all of these thousands of people. He has these few pieces of food. And then a miracle happens. Let's read about it in verse 41. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. I love this. Jesus takes this little, he blesses it, and it becomes a lot. But like we've been discussing, Jesus, he performs a miracle, but he places them in groups and he asks the disciples to distribute the miracle to the rest of the people. And I believe that the same reality happens to us. Even my definition of ministry is this, freely I receive from Jesus and freely I give. If we want to give out messages of grace and hope, we have to first and foremost receive grace and hope from Jesus. Amen. We can only give what we have. And that's what ministry is. We say, Jesus, you've been so good. How can we distribute it to the people around us? And so the disciples were used by God to distribute a miracle. Jesus performed a miracle through the hands of the disciples then. And I believe he wants to do it again through all of us. He's doing something amazing in this region. And I believe that Kalos Church is just getting started by reaching people for the glory of God. Amen. And I believe that God has already started conversations with people in this region. And it's up to us as people who follow the lead of the Holy Spirit to continue that conversation with our family, our neighbors, with strangers. And I believe that we can see something happen as we share our lives, our houses, and our meals together. I truly believe, because of my story, that one meal can change someone's life forever. As I shared, my family, refugees, moved from Sri Lanka to Minnesota. But then as years went on, my family ended up getting a divorce when I was around 11 years old. And that began a very dark period in our life. In fact, uh, we couldn't pay the bills for our house. I was 11 years old, and I'm watching as it's getting foreclosed on, and we can't afford meals, and we can't do the things that the other kids are doing. And uh, a neighbor who lived near me said, hey, Pradeepan, why don't you just come over to my house and eat breakfast with my children? They're the same age as you, and then you can ride the bus together to school. And my parents are okay with it. So every morning, I go to my neighbor Sherry's house for a simple meal. And they weren't the fanciest meals. I mean, I loved it as a kid. We're talking egos. Can I get a better amen? We're talking toaster strudels. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're talking Pop-Tarts. My God is good. And so I would go to that house and just eat these breakfast items every morning. It wasn't extravagant, but it was consistent. And I went there, and one day I'm at my house after months of doing this with my neighbor, and I I find my mom on the floor. I'm 11 years old. She's not waking up. I don't know what's happening. I see a bottle of pills next to her, and I realize she's she's overdosed on something. She's taking too much of this medication. What's going to happen? And Imagine 11-year-old me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. Is my mom alive? Is she dead? 
there's a lot of instability in our family. And my first instinct was to call my neighbor Sherry because I knew she was there because she shared so much of her family and meals with me. I call Sherry and I go, hey, I don't know what's going on. My mom's on the floor. What, what do I do now? Can you help me? She said, I'm on my way. My neighbor Sherry ran over to my house and she said, all right, I'm going to call 911, ambulance, police officers come. And she walks us through the whole scenario. She's like, hey, Pradeepin, you just rest. I'm going to take care of it from here. She was there with me as I watched my mom get into the ambulance. She brought me over to her house, says my family was not in the house anymore. And it was such a scary moment, but I'm thankful that there was someone who had shown me hospitality because I knew who to call in my emergency. Would anybody call you in case of an emergency? I mean, if, if not us, who? We are the people of God. And we're called to distribute the miracles of Jesus, amen? And I believe that this gathering isn't just for us here, but we are here for those who aren't here yet. And we are called to make known the beauty of Jesus to people who are in their emergencies. And it's with this mindset that we want to share an announcement, something that we want to do for the next few months at Kalos Church And so we're going to do something that's going to help us share meals together. And so for the next 10 weeks, we are launching a 10-week discipleship intensive by the name of Alpha, where we're going to open up our homes. We're going to share meals together. We're going to discuss the Word of God together. We're going to be a safe place to ask questions together. And I believe that it is going to change lives like meals changed my life as a little boy. I know when we talk about following Jesus, understanding theology, practicing disciplines of spirituality can be intimidating to a whole world that doesn't know where to start. But I believe that if we open up our houses and simply start with a meal, I believe that through Alpha over these next 10 weeks, we can truly make an impact. Amen. So this is what we're going to ask. We want everybody who calls Kalos Church their home. Maybe you're considering Kalos Church. You don't have to have decided already. But we want to invite you to join an alpha group. You may not even be very familiar with Christianity. Can I tell you that this alpha curriculum, that these small groups are for you? Maybe you're somebody that has been in church. Maybe you've been walked with us for the last five years. These groups are a safe place to ask questions, to be yourself, to not be all put together. So what we're going to do is we're going to put up on the screen uh, texting Alpha 425 to 94,000, or you can visit our kalos.church slash alpha, and you can sign up. And I just want some of you, if you need a moment to pull out your phone right now, to take a quick picture of this or to text Alpha 425, uh, please do that. We have Linda who is on our team. Linda Von Schell is back there with a happy birthday hat on and she is the person to talk to to get in an Alpha small group. So I encourage you to do that. Pastor Pradeepan and I are both going to be in Alpha small groups as well and it's going to be a really beautiful time. Listen, Pastor Pradeepan and I believe that this is a pivotal moment at in Kalos Church. But like like he said, it's just the beginning, but we want people to be able to have a place where they can grow deep in their faith. So be sure to text this number. Be sure to visit Linda to join an alpha group. Amen. So I'm so excited for us to be a community of biblical hospitality. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for what he's doing in this place? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pray in a moment. 
But I believe that this is a, a holy moment, that this is a special moment. I believe that there are people here right now in our midst. You came to church today in a hotel because you're looking for Jesus. You're looking for hope. You're looking for a fresh start. Maybe you're looking for a spiritual community. And our hope is that we wouldn't just be a friendly church, but a, a church of friends making known the beauty of Jesus together. And we just want to declare to you today that Jesus is beautiful. He loves you. He has a plan for you. I don't believe that anybody is here by accident, but God wants you here. But if you're here and you're saying, I, I don't really have a relationship with God, I'd love to pray for you. If you're here today and you're saying, I, I've done some horrible things and I, I need forgiveness, I need to make some new habits, I need to go in a new direction in my life, we would love to pray for you. So right now, could we just close our eyes and bow our heads? Could we make this a private and a holy moment between us and God? And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, and that's why I'm here, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to him. I want to receive forgiveness. I, I want to follow God. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm not going to embarrass you, but on the count of three, would you just lift up your hand so I know who to include in a prayer of surrender and salvation? One, two, three. Just lift up your hand so I can see it. Amen. Hands up all over the place. Is there anybody else? You're saying, I want to give my life to God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to receive forgiveness. I see one hand, two hands, three hands, four hands, five hands, six hands, seven hands, eight hands, nine hands, ten is there anybody else? You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. Many more hands. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation and surrender. I see another hand. I see that. Amen. Thank you so much for being so bold in this environment. I'm going to lead us in a prayer that we can pray all together as the family of God, saying you're welcome at the table of God. So let's pray with these words on the screen all together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me altogether. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Can we give it up again for Jesus? Thank you, Lord, for salvation and life transformation. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.